This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. Let's jump into what we've been talking about for a little while here. Today is the first Sunday of Advent season, and it's appropriate to talk about the different elements of the Advent season and Christmas time and all that, and certainly we're going to do that, but I just want to um, talk a little bit more about what the children of Israel were going through as they came to the precipice of the promised land that God had told them about when they left Egypt, and they have wandered through the wilderness, and they've now gotten there, and we've been discussing the different things that can get in our way. If you don't listen uh, today, you're going to cheat yourself, because almost everybody in the room can benefit from this, and some of you can really, really benefit. And I started off the day a while ago by focusing on good stuff, positive things, the kingdom community that we're part of, good works that are happening. And the reason for doing that ever is to keep our memories fresh. Very important to keep your memory fresh on the good stuff that has happened in your life. Maybe you ought to try to do away with some of the memories or to suppress them or to not focus on them as much of the bad stuff. Maybe some of us do a little bit too much dwelling on that, meditating on that, because when we allow that to occupy a part of our brain, part of our thought process, it's automatically going to affect everything else in our lives. It's going to affect our emotions. It's going to affect our relationships. It's going to affect our worship. It's going to affect our productivity. It's going to affect everything, and it's not going to affect it in a good way right? So I'm not the most positive person in the world. As a matter of fact, naturally I sort of tend toward the negative. I sort of tend toward being a pessimist. So I have to really think and concentrate on pushing that away and embracing the things that are more positive. For some people, it's all positive. You know, you don't have to ever encourage them to do that. Love you. God bless you. More power to you. I'm not that way, so I have to work at it, and some of you have to work at it, or you should be working at it more than you are. And the problem, one of the biggest problems with God's children, the children of Israel, back in the time when they were freed from slavery in Egypt, was that they had a bad memory, That was the first phrase that I had, and I wanted them to pop it on the screen the minute it came out of my mouth, but there it is. They had a bad memory. You can read the story front to back, and it always shows up that these people just had a problem with their memory. And I don't think it's because they had some deterioration going on like senility or Alzheimer's. I think they just got caught up in whatever negative circumstance was going on in the moment. And they allowed that to overpower the memories of the miracles 
the memories of the good stuff that had happened. Everybody in this room has had bad experiences. You're not in that camp by yourself. All of us have suffered loss. All of us have been through some sort of tragedy. All of us have been disappointed. We've all been frustrated. We've all experienced some level of brokenness. We've all had to deal with guilt for something from the past, something we did we shouldn't have done, something we didn't do we should have done. Is there anybody in the room can raise your hand and say, not me, I've never, I've never done that. Of course not, we all have. So, and I don't say that in any attempt to downplay or minimize whatever bad experience you've been through. That's not the point. The point is, is that all of us have been through bad stuff, some more traumatic and, and deep maybe and offensive than others, but we've all been through stuff. And once we've been through stuff, we have a choice. What are we going to do now? Listen, it's horrible to go through some loss or tragedy, right? To have bad experiences, to experience brokenness in relationships or whatever the case may be. That's bad enough. Does it make it any better if we then choose to allow the feelings, the emotions, the disappointment of all that to dictate what happens for the rest of our lives? So you take a situation that cheated you out of moments of joy, cheated you out of fulfillment, and then you say, well, that's not good enough. I'm going to allow it to cheat me out of everything else. That's, that's tragedy. You're just introducing yourself to another tragedy that compounds the first tragedy more than you can ever imagine. So just like all of us have been through it, all of us have the chance then to turn the corner. All of us have the choice about whether or not we're going to allow that to dictate our future or whether we're going to really put that behind us and choose better things in the future and choose to focus on the good things that have happened and the good things that are still to come. So... One more piece of that, and I see this happen all the time, and it's really tragic. People will worry anticipating something bad, right? I've got teenage kids driving. I'm not talking about me. My kids are all past that. But people will say, well, my kids are out on the road now, and they're driving, and, and I, they're out late at night, and I'm just worried to death that at some point... I'm, somebody's going to knock on the door in the middle of the night and it's going to be law enforcement informing me that something tragic has happened to my kid. Do you understand how egregious it is to worry about bad things that have not yet happened? You are, you are submitting yourself to torture, to negative emotions that you don't have to embrace, that you don't have to have. I would hope that if they ever come and knock on my door in the middle of the night, I'm going to be completely taken off guard, knocked to my knees. It'll be the first time I've ever thought that that can happen. Right? Because I don't want 
my life leading up to some loss or tragedy to be bogged down, negatively impacted before any tragedy ever happens. And then you have the post-tragedy where we have a choice. And when I say tragedy, that comes in all different kinds of forms. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody dies or whatever. <clears throat> but then we have a choice about how we're going to contend, remember that series we did, with the tragedy after it happens. And how you choose to contend with it leads to the resolution. Is your life going to be, for all practical purposes, over? Where you just sit around and moan and groan because of the bad thing that happened? Or are you going to get up out of the dirt? Hey, you have a right to sit in the dirt for a little bit. That's okay. You have a right to weep and mourn and grieve. You have a right to frustration, actually. But then at some point, you have to decide to get up out of the ditch. Because sitting in the ditch, covered up in ashes and dirt, is not going to help you in any way as you approach the rest of your life. We need to work on our memory, and our memory needs to be focused on the good. There are scriptures up and down all over the Word of God that support this. I just picked one from the 77th Psalm. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Pause. When's the last time you just stopped and very consciously, intentionally thought about some great thing that God has done in your life? Some blessing that came your way. Some provision that you know He had to have been responsible for. Some healing. Some restoration and brokenness that happened in your life. Just stopped and said, I, right now, this minute, am going to remember the deeds of the Lord and His miracles that He's done in my life. You say, well, Jeff, God has never done any good stuff in my life. Don't make me. <laughs> Don't make me. Are you here? Are you uh, surrounded by a great kingdom family right now? Are you in a comfortable house to worship God and enjoy fellowship this morning? Did you have something to eat this morning or will you at some point today? Do you have clothes on your back? Did you have a way to get here? Is there somebody that cared enough about you today to help you get here this morning? Who invited you? Who gave you a ride? Who helped you get ready if you're a child or whatever the case may be? Do we not have reasons, big and small, to be grateful to the God who has made provision for us? I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will consider all your works and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Let's do a self-evaluation over the past week. Okay, How much time have I spent 
giving any thought to bad stuff that's happened in my life, to stuff I don't agree with, the stuff that angers me, stuff that frustrates me, stuff that other people are doing that I think is wrong, out of order, that's negatively impacting me. How much of my thought process, my time, my emotional, inv emotional investment has been put toward that? As opposed to how much time, what percentage of that time has been given to meditation on the works of God and His mighty deeds? It's a choice. It's a choice. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and snatch you up by your collar and force you to think about one thing or the other. It's your choice what you think about. The Scripture tells us to take what? Every thought captive. You hear that? He doesn't say, I'm going to capture your thoughts for you. He doesn't say, the enemy has the power to grab your thoughts and there's nothing you can do about it. No, He tells us, every person, you have the power to capture your thoughts. And so when a bad thought comes, because they come, nobody is here to guarantee you you're not going to have a bad thought. That you're not going to go astray in this area of your life. Of course you are. We all do. The question is, what are you going to do when they do come? We're instructed to grab it. But what are you going to do when you grab it? You replace it. You can't grab it and leave an empty spot. That empty spot is going to be filled up with something else right away. You have to intentionally grab it and you have to intentionally replace it. If you're going to grab a negative thought, what do you think would be a good idea to replace it with? How about a positive thought? That sounds like a good idea, right? Some failure from the past gets in your head, starts impacting you. You grab it. What are you going to replace it with? Some success from the past. Some blessing from the past. Somebody who's done you wrong, and all of a sudden those thoughts come back. Listen, i got to tell you, I don't know if this is the same way for you or not. When I'm doing the things like around my home or the farm or whatever that I really enjoy doing that tend to fulfill me, to bring peace and satisfaction to my life, such as working in the barn, cutting grass, working by the pool, whatever the case is, I like to be outdoors, I like to be busy, I like to be fixing stuff, organizing, right? And all of a sudden, inevitably, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, something will come in my head, seemingly out of the blue or on the breeze, that is negative, that involves somebody I had a negative experience with, somebody that said something to me I didn't like, some way I was offended, and it wants to show up in my moments of contentment. And you know what I can do? I can be plagued by that as I'm trying to do the things I enjoy doing it, or I can grab it, and I can do away, away with it, I can cast it aside, and I can replace it with something good, some good experience I had, something that was fulfilling, meaningful, that was a blessing to me. Meditate on your mighty deeds. He says, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Man, it's just good. We could just take those three, four verses right there. 
and make that our, our motto for life and how we should think and then focusing on the good things that God is saying and doing and put in, putting aside the negative. But back to the children of Israel. If you read that story, you find over and over and over that their leadership, mainly Moses, is always telling them to remember. You ever notice that? And it's almost always after a period of rebellion, a period where the people are acting stupid again. You know, where they're out here building a calf out of gold, where they're out here worshiping Baal, they're out here acting the fool. And Moses will gather them up. And what does he say? He says, remember. Remember. What's wrong with you? What happened in your brain? Remember where you were. Remember what life was like under that blazing Egyptian sun and you're out there making bricks and blocks and dragging heavy weight for somebody else's benefit. Do you remember that? Do you remember slavery? Do you remember torture? Do you remember oppression? And now you're on a journey. You're on a journey toward the promise, toward the blessing of the promise. Don't forget what happened. He's always challenging them to remember. By the time you get into the New Testament, the people have gotten so bogged down in religion and such negativity toward a lot of things that they have forgotten the true genuineness of the way God works and the Father that He is in their lives. And when you have real uh, men of God, people of God who are called to do work for God, who start to stand up and tell the truth, what do they do? They remind the people first of where they came from. You take Stephen, for example, in Acts 6 and 7. What does he do when he's accused? He said, look, you guys have wandered way off track here. And he goes all the way back to Abraham. And he reminds them of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the provision of God, the miracles of God. Because the people always need to remember what God has done. So listen, I know that we have this big emphasis on faith as believers, as Christians, and we should, right? You're saved because of your faith in God. That's appropriate, but it is an absolute mistake to just float through life Never remembering the goodness of God. Never focusing on the miracles. Never meditating on His mighty deeds. And just trying to exercise something you call faith that God's just going to show up and meet your needs regardless. That's not how God works. God does not... Listen, this is important. It's going to go against the grains of what some of us have thought. God does not show up and make provision for you just because of your faith. He doesn't work miracles in our lives just because we have faith. No. Faith goes along with some other stuff. It's not just about saying, well, I have faith that God can work miracles. That's important. 
But it has to be aligned with our level of obedience. It has to be aligned with our lives of worship and meditation on the good things He's already done. So here's your classic example, right, from the story we're talking about. God did not pick the Israelites up out of Egypt miraculously and transport them to the border of the promised land and set them down and then say, okay now, if you have enough faith, you can get in and claim the blessing. If you have enough faith, you can defeat that enemy. That's not, that's not what happened. It wasn't like the Wizard of Oz where at one minute you're in Kansas and all of a sudden you get swooped up and you're taken over here to Oz. No. They had to walk a journey. And it was a journey that required deep levels of obedience all along the way. And every time they lived in disobedience, their progress was hindered. Every time they chose disobedience, the time that it would take to realize the promise became longer. You understand? Did they still believe in God? Of course they did. Did they still have faith in God? Yes, they did. They, they saw food come from the sky. They saw a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They saw miracles happen all around them. They saw a sea part in front of them so they could walk across on dry land. Of course they believed in God. Of course they had faith. But they chose to live in patterns of disobedience, which affected their ability in a very negative way to get to the blessing of the promise. To this extent. Are you still listening? To this extent. To where once those patterns continued for so long, God said, okay, because... Because you are not hearing my voice and obeying me on a day-to-day -day basis. Nobody who started the journey will enter the promised land. Right? You, you, you know that Moses didn't even enter the promised land, right? Not even Moses. This is what happens when we forget. When we have bad memory. When we worship the enemy by focusing on the destruction that the enemy has caused in our lives. That's what it amounts to. When you give of your mental capacity, your thought processes, your emotions, your feelings to what the enemy has done, it's an act of worship to the enemy. As strange as that sounds. The, the children of Israel built statues and danced around them in worship to an enemy. That's what we do in our own hearts and minds when we focus on what the enemy has done more than we focus on what God has done. Bad memory is not going to help us. God doesn't say, have faith 
and you can take the land. God says, remember what I've done for you already and be obedient to what I'm calling you to do now and you will realize the blessing of the promise. So our big emphasis on faith has to be born mostly out of what he's already done. And when I started talking to you, I focused on a few little blessings that we all have who are here today. So if you can't think of that big God moment, you didn't recognize it when it happened, or you, maybe you think it never did happen. But for a lot of you, I know it has happened. But if you can't think of that, just focus on the basic practical provision that God has made you that allowed you to even be in this room right now. Give Him thanks for that. Meditate on that. And your faith will grow out of that. And then your faith coupled with the worship you're giving God for what He's already done is going to empower you to enter what He has promised for you. Let's look at one verse from Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. And this is Moses talking. He says, or the Lord talking to Moses says, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I've performed among them? In spite of all the things I've done? In spite of all the miracles? In spite of all the provision? How long Will the people treat me with contempt? I think we did a survey in the room and I asked, how many of you have ever treated God with contempt? Some would say, yeah, I have. But some of us would probably say, no, I don't think I've ever really treated God with contempt. Well, I believe that any time that we fail to acknowledge and give credit to the God who has made provision for us, we show contempt for God. Anytime that we point credit somewhere else for something He's done, I think is an act of contempt toward God. Anytime we despise our blessings, so blessing comes our way, and yet, we choose not to see it as a blessing, but we complain. For example, you want to be a registered nurse, but you're not at the point yet where you are qualified to be a registered nurse. And so you're offered a job as a nursing assistant in a nursing home, let's say. And you take the job maybe, or maybe you don't, but even if you take it, you complain about it. Because that's not what you really want. You know what that means? It means you're not being obedient to the process. And you're despising a blessing that came your way. Because there could be opportunity in that. Right? That's a step in the process to get where you're trying to go. So, we have to remember what God has done. We have to rejoice and give Him credit. All the glory has to go to Him. Listen, when we say, 
my prayer caused this miracle to happen. Who's getting the glory? I don't think we should ever say, I'm responsible. Our church is responsible. I think we should say, man, God did a work. God performed a miracle. God's people prayed, but it is God who did the work. It is God who made the provision. All the glory had, has to go to Him. Look, there's this verse in James that says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift. I was talking about the, the weather being good at Sunny D Farms over the weekend. And we, I prayed about the weather. certainly did. I know some other people did too. Right? But I refuse to say that God corrected the weather because of my prayer. I, I, don't, I don't feel good about that. You know, because here, listen, I don't want anybody to get confused here, but there's every possibility that there was a bad forecast, but that the weather system just kind of moved off somewhere, and we didn't have rain and stuff like that, and the temperatures were nice, and that God wasn't up there pushing buttons to make that happen. Now, listen, there's every chance that God was up there pushing buttons to make that happen. That's what I mean when I say, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say God wasn't involved in us having great weather. Because 100%, listen, get this, every time we have great weather, God is responsible for it. Right? Every time you have a beautiful day, who gave you the beautiful day? Who made the sun? Who made the blue sky? Every good gift. We ought to live in perpetual praise and worship for the good. Because all good comes from Him. There is no good. I hadn't thought about this maybe ever, Tony. All good of any sort, anywhere, at any time, comes from God. If it is good... God should get the glory for it. If it's bad, if it's hurtful, if it's destructive, it's not from God. But if it's good, God's responsible for it. Whether or not He's sitting at His great big computer punching buttons or not, He's still responsible for the good. So, Whatever good's going on in your life, that's a God thing. Whatever, listen, some of us got some health issues, right? And we need to pray and ask God to strengthen us, to heal us. That's all appropriate. But maybe sometimes our health issues are exacerbated because we focus more on the bad that's going on in us than the good that's going on in us. 
right? And maybe we should focus more on what's still good, on the strength we do have. I think that brings honor to God, and I wouldn't doubt, but what that doesn't motivate God to strengthen us more when we honor Him and acknowledge Him for what He has done, what He is doing, for the good stuff that does exist. So it's God's faithfulness that has brought us to the good spot where we are. It is God's faithfulness that will walk with us wherever we're going. It is God's goodness that is worthy of our praise. We need to pray. We need to pray individually. We need to pray together. We need to ask God for His will to be done. We need to bring our petitions before Him. And when He does His work, He gets all the glory. Because it is Him who gives every good thing that we have. I wanted to get into how our lack of patience in the process hinders us, but we're going to have to wait on that because I don't want to go too long. What I do want you to walk out of here with is a commitment to, number one, evaluate your thought processes. How much negativity is there? Right. How, how much of what's going on in our heads and in our hearts is a downer, is focused on bad, is focused on lack, is focused on negative? And how much in there is focused on the good, is focused on God's provision, answered prayers, and then we build our faith on top of the good. And whatever corrections need to be made, just make a decision to correct them because you have the power to do that. You really do. You really have the power to do that. All through this weekend, you know, there were, there were um, things that came up that could have really steered us in negative directions. And, and some negative stuff was whispered in my ear a couple of times, and I chose to just ignore it. Just put it aside. You know? And, and just focus on the good. And man, we had some good. It was really good. You know, we had Miss Jeannie out there for two nights and we sold one Christmas tree. We could focus. We, we got to get a better salesman. No, we just didn't have. We, hey, we could be saying, hey, we went out and got all these Christmas trees and then we only sold one and we could get bogged down with that and it could be negative and we could be like, well, we're stuck with all these trees. By the way, if anybody needs a tree, they're going for $10 today. So, um, um, Or we could just say, man, the atmosphere, you know, over there in that garden with the fire burning and the Christmas trees and the three old classic cars sitting outside there and the, the mule, the mules pulling that carriage by, lighted up with Christmas decorations with people that were really enjoying themselves going by and all the food and the the petting barn and the people who came, the, the guys who live at 345 loaded up in a van and came down and it was just a beautiful thing. Why don't we just think about that stuff? You know, I could, I could get bogged down thinking about some of y'all who should have helped and didn't. But I ain't going to go there. I'm going to focus on the good stuff. I'm going to focus on the good that did happen, the people who did help out and the people who did get involved. Because it was really good. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm playing with y'all. I know people have stuff that conflicts during the holiday season and all that. But 
there's a lot of good to grab a hold of. And we're in the Christmas season now, and man, doesn't that give us even more? We have our Savior, you know, who came to this earth and lived and died for us. How, can we, how are we going to get bogged down? I know that holidays are hard for some people because of traumatic experiences from the past. Let's try to push that aside and meditate on the good. The good will replace the bad. It's a guarantee because there's not room for both. Your, your brain might be a little different from mine, but I know something about all of our brains. We can only be thinking about one thing at a time. Right? It's, it's kind of like a horse when it runs. You know, when a horse runs, there's ever only one hoof on the ground at a time. Right, Jonathan? It's like, that's why you hear that. Because the four come down at different times. But there is only ever one on the ground at a time when it's running at a gallop. Well, that's the same thing with your brain. You may have thoughts swirling, coming and going, but there's only room for one at a time. So when that one negative one comes, snatch it out of there and replace it with a good one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, again, both encouraging and challenging us out of your word. And we thank you for the stories that we can look to there that give us everything we need, really. Everything we need is right there. And so I pray that as we leave here, we wouldn't forget it. We wouldn't be guilty one more time of having bad memories because that's going to take us to places mentally, emotionally, spiritually that we just don't need to be. So I pray that your people would leave with blessings of peace and power, provision, protection, and that these things would stay fresh in our minds, our hearts. We would be encouraged, focusing on the good, on the blessings, and that we would, again, move closer and closer to your promises for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.